for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Thank you. Well, as you've heard, we're going through a series at the moment on the culture that God wants us to have in the church, the kingdom culture. So this morning we're talking about a culture of thanksgiving and prayer. The whole series is based on Philippians for anybody who's visiting us. Well, our culture, it speaks of our way of life, doesn't it? It it speaks about how we do things. And Richard explained that at the beginning of the series. And that was really helpful that each family unit develops its own culture. As individuals, we develop our own culture, don't we? How, How we like to do things. And the church culture will be the culture that's displayed by us as individual members. Last week, Graham spoke about a culture of honour and encouragement. And if we develop this in our lives, we'll bring down heaven's culture on earth. We'll make a difference where we live. He reminded us that Jesus was always the same. He was always consistent, wasn't he, where he went. He didn't have two faces. He wasn't like this with you, but a bit different with you over there. And we want to make a difference in the town that we live and in our workplaces. We want to see the world around us transformed by the culture we portray. We started the church, I can see you now, (laughs) take my glasses off to see you. I'm not sure it's better to keep them on than I can't see you. (laughs) We started the church in 2002 and the initial culture was instilled then in those who were present and most of those are still present today. And we decided on certain things as our culture. The um, main ones of that were praise and worship, Prayer, preaching from scripture, those are things that would be fundamental amongst other things to our culture as a church. And we developed little phrases to help us to remember them. Do you remember? People are more important than things. We decided children are important. And that's still, you can see how much children are important in the church because of the great children's work that goes on. We decided we will run with fast people. That's F-A-S-T. We, we had fat people to begin with, but we put an extra S in it. <laughs> but it's faithful. Right, let's get back to fast people then. We're going to run with faithful, accountable, servant-hearted and teachable. So it's not all about being gifted We can all be faithful. We can all be accountable. We can all become servant-hearted and teachable. One of our other little sayings was, big doors swing on little hinges. And that reminded us that there might not be many of us, but we could still do great things if God called us to do them. So these are things that have become embedded in our culture. And today, we'll start by looking at a culture of thanksgiving. So let's read Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. I thank my God every time I remember you. This is Paul writing to the Philippian church. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, 
being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I thank my God every time I remember you. That's a huge statement, isn't it? Do you have that heart for people that Paul had? Graham reminded us last week that we should honour everyone. We should treat everyone with respect. You might not know what's going on in somebody else's life that you're coming across, but they've been made in the image of God, just like you have. And so they deserve to be treated with honour and respect. Even the people who cut you up at the roundabouts. Or the people who beat you into the supermarket queue. I actually had that happen uh, in Sainsbury's on Friday. I was just waiting at the self-service bit. Somebody cut in in front of me and I just thought, oh well, never mind. And when I got to, to my bit later on, the girl came forward and she said, I'm sorry somebody jumped the queue. I thought, well, how nice of her that she noticed it. And she mentioned, I said, oh, it's just life, don't worry. Um, But, you know, sometimes even little things like that can make us lose our peace. Paul said, I thank my God every time I remember you. So he had a thankful heart for the Philippian church. And what did he thank God for? I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. He thanked God for the people in the church. He saw them as partners together in the gospel, the good news about Jesus. This is what it's all about. It's about us sharing the good news about Jesus. So he saw the bigger picture that God has a a plan and a purpose for his church to speak about Jesus and share what we know with others. That he wasn't on his own in it, that they were in it with him. So to Paul, the Philippian church are what he calls partakers with him of grace. They're together in this thing. They know what Jesus has done for them. And Paul says he holds them in his heart because of this. So what's your culture like? Do you hold people in your heart? Are they that precious to you? Paul said he yearned for them with the affection of Jesus. And in verse 9, he prayed that their love for Jesus would abound more and more. I'm just going to read that verse now. This is where I need my glasses again. John, do we need to turn this other one off? Is that... All right. Okay, thank you. So verse 9, we have, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you hold people in your heart like that? It's challenging. Paul could thank God because he could see what God was doing in their lives, how they were affected by God's grace. But you can't force a heart of thankfulness, can't you? You can't say, oh, I must thank God. Oh, I must pray for people and thank God every day. You can't force it. That's just like dead legalism. It's not like I must. It's something God wants to touch your heart for other people. 
And you can determine by God's grace to change and ask him to help you. Ask him to enlarge your heart for others, to do what Jesus did, as Graham read from Philippians 2 last week. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. If you consider others better than yourselves, then it helps to produce a heart of thankfulness. It must come from the heart. You might even find there are other Christians that you think, well, it's difficult to get on with some people. You know, we don't all have to be bosom pals with everybody. And you might struggle with one or two other Christians. And further on in chapter 1, in verses 15 to 17, I'm not going to read that now, but Paul talks about other Christians who were preaching out of selfish ambition and rivalry. So it would be like, oh, I'm preaching because I want to have a bigger church than the one next door, or I want to show we're doing more things than they are. But Paul said, even if they got wrong attitudes, he could still thank God for them because they were still preaching about Jesus. So people could still come to know Jesus, even if the preacher had got the wrong attitude. So I I think this is great that Paul thanks God for everybody. I just want to commend to you a book here which has got a very difficult title. I think we've commended it before, actually. It's called Leadership Pain. Here we go. Leadership Pain by a, a guy called Samuel Chand. Thank you. I just thought, have free hand. I'm just changing, putting the microphone in the stand. <laughs> Thank you. In Leadership Pain, which is, um, you know, this is a book that I, I read from cover to cover. I'll be honest with you, I don't read all Christian books from cover to cover, but this one is very, very readable. And uh, I even took notes on it. It was so good. But he says, a heart of thankfulness, thank you, is the appropriate response to our perception of the generosity and kindness shown to us. Now, that seems a bit of a mouthful at first. But what it's saying is how you perceive God's kindness and generosity to you, how you understand his mercy to you, will relate to how thankful your heart is. If you know you haven't got a thankful heart, if you're somebody who's grudging with your thanks towards God and your praise of others, I'd suggest you ask God for a fresh revelation of his love to you and what he's done for you. We've heard this morning how much he loves us. And if you want to have a new awareness of his love, what did Jesus say? If you ask, you'll receive. Seek and you will knock and the yeah, knock and the door will be opened. So if you really want to have a greater revelation of what Jesus has done for you, it helps just to spend some time in his presence and, and just allow him to show you how much he loves you. When we were on holiday in Spain, we were in a, a little house with a, a little garden. And it was a a beautiful little garden. And I thought, I know in in the Song of Solomon, in the Bible, it it, it feels as if some of that is in a garden. So I thought, I haven't read that for a long time. I'll read the Song of Solomon. And it's a a strange little book, really, in the middle of the Bible. It's about 
a lover and the one he loves. It's also a picture of how much Jesus loves the church. And as I started to read this, I prayed that God would reveal his love to me. And this is what I read. This is Song of Songs, chapter 2, just in case you want to look at it later. Listen, my lover. Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains. You know, when you come to Jesus, it's, that's what it's like. It's like he's coming, leaping towards you. He really wants to spend time with you. And he goes on, my lover spoke to me and said, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past. And I, I just cracked up when I read that because I thought I'd been feeling like I'd been going through winter. And some of you have been going through winter. But you know, the spring follows winter. It says, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. And when you allow Jesus to touch you and show you his love, it produces a heart of thankfulness in you. I I just lay there and and I, I read again those words, the winter is past and gone. And I knew that I was totally, totally loved totally accepted by Jesus. And you know, that's exactly the same for you. And you might not know it, but it's true, because he totally loves you. He knows all your imperfections. He knows all my imperfections. And my husband will testify that I've got imperfections. (laughs) But Jesus loves me totally, in spite of all my imperfections. How can I not have a thankful heart towards him when I know how much he loves me? And we've been hearing so much this morning. Thank you for everybody who shared about the love of Jesus. You can learn to be thankful. You can start developing a thankful heart by deliberately thinking about the people who you come into contact with and actually thank them. I want to thank Alan and Pearl. Faithfully, every time we have bread and wine, they get it ready. We wouldn't have it if it wasn't for them. Thank you. Thank you for Liv. You encouraged me this morning. Thank you. So many people knock others back when they're speaking to them or about them, don't they? That's a culture of the world. That's not our culture. There's always something to thank God for. Every day I look out the window... And we're very blessed because we've got a garden. And I thank God for the new day. I thank him for the sunshine. I always especially thank him for the sunshine because I really like it. I thank him for the rain because it's good for the allotment. I thank him for the colours. Sometimes I thank him for the birds flitting to and fro. But you can thank him for he's called you to do different jobs or church responsibilities You can thank him that he's put you in a team if you work in a team. Even if you say, Lord, I don't really know how to work with them at the moment, but thank you that I'm not on my own. And as has been said this morning, you might be going through a very difficult time. And because of that, you've lost your thankfulness to God. But you know, you can say, Lord, thank you that you're with me in it. Thank you that you know about the hardships I'm going through. Thank you that you know about my hurt. Thank you that you know about my sadness, my ill health. 
Thank you that you know about the argument with so-and-so that I don't know how to resolve. Thank you that I can talk to you about anything. Thank you that you listen. You're not thanking him for the difficulties you go through. You're thanking him for being with you in them. And, you know, it's much easier to respond to people who are thankful, isn't it? We're very blessed because we've got two children and four grandchildren. And I commend my, my son and daughter are very good about getting the children to thank us for things. They've always thanked us. We taught them, but now they're teaching the grandchildren to thank us. And it's precious. I keep some of them. So here's some of my cards. This one was designed by our 12-year-old grandson at Christmas, and it says, To Nana and Gramps. That's Graham. Thank you for my tracksuit bottoms, my book, my calendar, my money. (laughs) Then we've got some of them are homemade, like this one that our granddaughter Piper made us. It's got a star on the front and a starfish. Thank you for the making my card kit. This was the kit I gave her. She made me one. Love, Piper. And it's got a little heart in and a thank you. And even the littlest one who was due to be here today, but they couldn't make it because the car broke down. (laughs) She gave me a heart that she made in Sunday school. (laughs) And, you know, you appreciate these little tokens of thanks. And... Jesus encouraged us to thank God for what he gives us and to thank one another. I think it touches God's heart. You know, it stirs your heart, doesn't it, when you get a little card like that. Or when somebody thanks you for something, it stirs your heart. And when we're thankful to God, I believe it stirs his heart. In Luke 17, uh, we read about how Jesus healed 10 lepers, and what he did was he sent them to the priests, which was like the medical authority of the day, and the priests would confirm that they were fit to go back into society because leprosy is a dreadful disease. It's a skin condition, and it meant that they were outcasts in society because it was very contagious. So these 10 men, they went to see the priest, and the priest confirmed that they were healed. One of them went back and said, Oh, thank you, Jesus. What did Jesus say? He said, where's the other nine? That's right, Doreen. Where are the other nine? You see, the one had realized that it was a gift from God, that Jesus had touched him, and he returned to thank Jesus. And as Graham reminded us last week, like Paul in chapter 4 We need to learn to be content with whatever circumstances we're in and to thank God for what he gives us. If you pray with thanksgiving, it gives you a new perspective. It reminds you that your heavenly father in heaven knows you. He knows what you need. It reminds you that he values you and he values others. It reminds you of his greatness. Is anything too hard for the Lord? How much do you thank God for other people? Especially the ones who make a difference in your life. Your husband. Your wife. Your children. They can be a blessing to you, can't they? Your parents. The person who has employed you. I suddenly thought when I was writing this, had I ever actually thanked God for the lady 
who employed me. So I started thanking God for her. Your community group leaders, they work very hard, you know, some of them, to keep in touch with you, make sure that you're okay. Thank them for it. And, you know, all the people who've been here serving us today, if they hadn't been here, there'd be no chair to sit on, be no worship, there'd be no PA, so you couldn't listen to me anyway. There'd be no children's work, no youth. So do you take other people for granted? Do you take for granted what your family and friends do for you? You Do you just expect it? Do you thank people that you work with for doing a good job? Those in your office, church office as well, yeah. <laughs> do you thank people with a, an open heart or are you grudging in your thanks? That you're mean-spirited, that it's really hard to get a thank you out of you. You know, the Lord, if you open your life up to him, he will alert you if you're mean-spirited and you're not thankful for people and for, for those around you. The Holy Spirit will bring it to your attention. Another bit in Song of Solomon that, that Viv shared, I think it was last week or the week before, says, Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind, and blow on my garden. Let its spices flow. And the garden that I was in on holiday was, wasn't a big garden, but it had fragrant herbs and trees. It had lemon trees and orange trees and lavender and mint and jasmine. And when the wind blew through the garden, it released that beautiful fragrance. You know, if you let the Holy Spirit blow through your life, he will release in you a fragrance that is beautiful to him and beautiful to those around him. You might not have a thankful heart because you don't know Jesus yet. If he's not in your life, you don't know what to thank him for. But he is the saviour. He saves you out of your damaged, spoiled, black with sin, life, despairing. And he can transform your life into something of trust and goodness. You know, we've all done things wrong before God. I've read this morning, it even turns up in Ecclesiastes where I am, that there's not one righteous person can say they haven't done wrong before God. Everybody has done wrong before God, and God cannot have sin in heaven. And so because of that, the Bible says that sin deserves death. We all deserve to die. This is how I became a Christian, when I realized that Jesus had died instead of me, that he took my place, the most expensive transaction ever made in history. If you ask God to forgive you, for all the things you've done wrong, put your life in his hands. He'll clean you up, put his spirit in you, turn you around and help you to live differently, help you to live with a thankful heart. So going on to speaking more about a culture of prayer, the church has been built on prayer here. When we prayed in the early days, it was on Thursday evenings and then we had Sunday afternoons as well. Then we started having midweek groups that are now community groups. And um, then we've had 24 hours of prayer where people prayed for an hour from 12 noon on Saturday to, no, 12 noon on Friday to 12 noon on Saturday. 
anything from one to ten people praying every hour for that whole 24 hours. We prayed for some specific things that we think that God is in the process of now answering. Sunday evening prayer meetings we have again now. Friday mornings every two weeks, early, before you go to work, if you go to work, seven till eight. So this church has been built on prayer. And I want to commend our our community group particularly because you're a great group for praying. And Cheryl, thank you Cheryl, she set up a, a WhatsApp thing which was new to me, but I'm sure most of you are better than me at technology. And we have this little WhatsApp thing on the phone and it gives us messages all the time. And I've discovered there's a constant stream of, I'm a bit concerned about this, please can you pray for me? Oh, um, I'm not sure what to do about so-and-so. Can you pray for me? And you get the answers coming out. Yeah, of course we'll pray. Yes, we're praying. Yes, we're praying now. And there's this sense of praying for one another and loving one another and building one another up. And why do we pray? We pray because we believe in a God who calls us to pray and who answers prayer. You know, Jesus, he didn't say, if you pray. He said, when you pray. Um, So he expects you to pray. Why does he expect you to pray? Because that's a good way of building up a relationship, isn't it? I mean, how many people know if you don't talk to each other and you don't listen to each other, you're not really going to build up your relationships very well. So in Philippians, we get some insight into how and why we should pray. Verses 9 to 11 that we touched on earlier Paul prayed that the Philippian church would abound in love, grow in discernment, and be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, I've realized that's a great prayer. I didn't at first. I thought, well, he's praying for the Philippian church, but where's all the, you know, the important bits, like the people who need houses and mortgages and finances and jobs and health and all that? Why is he praying that? But, you know, if everybody in Gateway Church Ashford abounded in love for God and abounded in love for each other, and had discernment and wisdom about things, then it would, we'd have no pastoral issues between us, would we? Relationships would be sorted. Marriages would be sorted. People wouldn't be idle or selfish or lazy or stressed or unkind to one another or harsh to one another. So to pray for one another that we would abound in love is a great prayer. Because it's saying that we need to be reminded to lay down our lives for one another, just like Jesus laid down his life for us. Then we get more insight in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We all have requests for God. We all get anxious. And we've been hearing a bit about that this morning, haven't we? How many people live lives of anxiety. Anxiety and depression are major sources of stress and illness in this town today, as well as in the country. It is possible to live from a place of peace. 
In one of my old Bibles where it says, don't be anxious, I've put in the margin, so don't be. (laughs) Every time I come to that page, it reminds me, don't be anxious. It's like, don't. I'm like, okay, how do I not be anxious? Well, we've got the answer there that we pray. And Paul was echoing Jesus' words in Matthew 6, um, verses 25 onwards. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Jesus said, don't be. (laughs) What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And who by worrying can add a single hour to their life? Jesus showed that he knew people so well. Anxious about food and drink, clothes, sowing, reaping. In other words, how much you've got or not got. Your value to God, your self-worth, how long you're going to live. These are sources of anxiety for us. And who hasn't got in a state about what to wear sometimes? (laughs) Especially shoes. (laughs) Uh, You know, do I dress up or do I dress down for this occasion? Do I wear a business suit for this meeting or will it look over the top? Um, What should I buy? And we get stressed out about little things. And we worry about our everyday lives, don't we? Our jobs, our lack of jobs, our relationships, our family, our health. You can get constantly caught up in anxiety. But there isn't a need to worry about these things if you know your value to God. If you've got complete confidence, like I was sharing, if you know that he loves you, he loves you for who you are, not what you do. If you know that he loves you, that you're more precious to him than the birds of the air, you're of more value to him, how can you doubt that he'll care for you in every situation? So knowing that you're of value to God has huge significance when you come to pray. Because if you belong to him and you know he loves you, you know he's going to listen to you. So it makes it much easier to pray and it makes it much more worthwhile. Have you ever been, um, you've seen a child in a crowd. I was thinking of when I saw an ice cream van and it had the usual queue of children and grown-ups going to buy ice creams. And a, a small child looked up at their dad. Dad! Can I have that one? And then he realized he turned the wrong way and that one behind him wasn't his dad. Now, he didn't expect to get anything from that dad because it wasn't his dad. He didn't know him. So he turned to the dad that he knew, his own dad, his heavenly... And and we, we need to know our heavenly father. If you don't know God as father, then... It's like a stranger coming to him. But like we said today, you can know God as your father today if you don't know him. It says that God loved the world so much. He didn't just love the people who were doing a good job or trying hard. He loved the world so much. 
that he sent Jesus to us, that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. And if you come to God today and ask him to be your father, he'll clean your life up and sort you out and forgive you, and you can get to know him as your father. Thank you. (laughs) And then like we read earlier, Paul said in Philippians, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Everything means everything. Yeah, everything means everything. The biggest and the smallest. Graham and I have discovered together that there's nothing too big or too small to bring before God. And I pray about everything all the time. And I don't, I honestly think sometimes, how do people in this life get on if they don't know God? Because I pray about everything. It's like, Lord, can you help me with this meeting? Because I don't know what I'm going to say. Or, Lord, can you help me with this cooking? Because I don't want to waste these ingredients and I want to bless the people who are going to eat it. I don't want to mess it up. Lord, can you please look after my family in this pouring rain? I'm really worried about the roads. You know, you can bring everything that you're anxious about to the Lord. And, you know, you can pray to the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're all equal. And I find I often chat to the Holy Spirit because... Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit to be our counsellor and our comforter. I need a lot of counsel. (laughs) I need wisdom every day. Sometimes I need comfort as well. So I say, Holy Spirit, please help me with this. And you know, sometimes I make Graham laugh when we pray together because he prays what I call the big prayers. Uh, I remember there's a couple in Lille, our dear friends Roger and Georgie, who are church planting in Lille. That's a huge French city. And there's a little handful there who are just being a shining light for Jesus. So Graham's praying, Lord, please help this dear family with their finances and their jobs and their housing and looking for a new house. And they've got two children. And Lord, they've only got a little group that's gathering. Lord, give them wisdom. And he prays. Then I pray. What do I pray for? Oh, Lord, please help Georgie with the potty training. (laughs) Because I knew that for Georgie, the mum, it was a big thing for her. It was a big thing for me when I did train my children. You're training them. It's not easy, um, especially when they say no. <laughs> so I, I just prayed, and, and Graham acknowledged that that's still a serious prayer, you know, that you can even pray about little things like that. There is nothing too small for God to be interested in because he's interested in you, So there's nothing too little to bring to him. And there's nothing too large that he can't handle it. The God who created the universe, there's nothing too big for him to handle. And Jesus showed us how his father cared for the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. They didn't have to do anything. They just kept growing and eating. He knows if you haven't got much money at the moment, he expects you to handle it wisely. And, and, and be sensible. And he expects you to honour him with what you have. And if you honour him with the little bit you have, he will keep providing for you. He knows what you need. He knows you haven't got a job. He knows about your interviews. They're stressful. He knows about your health worries. He knows if you've had a blow up with someone in your family knows about your marriage difficulties. He knows about your worries over your children, your grandchildren. 
He's concerned about all the details of your life. And he also knows about the church and all the hundreds of things going on in church life. I've got a whole list here. I hope you like this. Church life, there's planning, there's preparation, future vision and how to get there. There's finances, costs, pastoral concerns, family problems, marriage problems, children's problems, teams without enough people to run them and make them work properly, a possible um, building with loads of work to do, people with health problems, people in hospital, preaching responsibilities, worship leading, teaching, discipleship, youth leaders, creche leaders, PA, welcome team, set up, computers going down, media stuff. This is what the elders oversee. And you thought you'd got a lot to worry about. (laughs) And thank you to Ashley for sorting out the little cards this week. (laughs) Because we couldn't find them on Friday, but she'd got it all in hand. You'll have one of those when you go. So how do you cope with everything in your life? How can we as a church cope with everything that God's got for us? The answer is here. We pray. We supplicate. We really ask God. You know, supplication is a bit like, you know, if, if, if you give, uh, if a child asks you for a big present like a bike, are you just going to give it to him? Probably not. But if they keep saying, please, please, Dad, please, Mum, please, I really want it, please, you want to know as parents that they're going to ride it, value it, clean it, look after it. So you expect them to keep asking you. And Jesus said, like he told a story about a judge and a widow in in Luke's gospel, how the woman kept pestering the judge. And in the end, he gave in because of her persistence. She wanted justice for something. And sometimes we just need to keep persevering in prayer as well for the things that, that we need. And some of you, I just feel that some of you have been praying for things for a long time. And you feel like you want to give up. Don't give up. Because the time of your fulfillment is nearly at hand. Keep persisting. Keep praying. So in summing up, we want to develop together, individually and together, a culture of thanking God and thankfulness for all he's done for us. A heart of thankfulness. And thankfulness for his great love and mercy shown to us. And a culture of prayer where we bring everything to him. I'm going to hand over to Matt now. If there are things that have touched you in that, um, Matt will just show you how to respond. Thank you. I'm um, conscious of the time and that the kids will probably need to be um, picked up, but I, th- I think there's a couple of things particular Phil, is really important to respond to. Um, this morning. So I'm going to make it really simple. And um, we're just going to ask people to stand up and then we're going to pray for you. And while we're doing that, we can also do the uh, offering, which I've forgotten, apologies. So, but this is really important, I think. And I think this is, um, it relates to what God has been saying to us in the worship as well. And I don't want to miss a moment. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but standing up acknowledges your need before God, doesn't it? And it means that you can ask somebody afterwards to pray for you. We'll be hanging around. But I think it, these, those, that picture earlier of those two hearts really fits what Sue was saying. If you feel like you're struggling at the moment with anxiety, with stress, 
perhaps that picture of that, that heart which is raw and bloodied and you're going through pain at the moment. Perhaps you feel like you're going through a winter period at the moment like Sue kind of brought. Then I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute and we'll pray for you. Or if you perhaps feel like you've got that heart which you know actually God's prompting you is slightly hardened. Perhaps you do find it, you know, you're grudging when you, when you thank people or God for things. Perhaps you know that you complain a bit too much or you just know that God needs to enlarge your heart for others and you just know God is prompting you and saying, yeah, I need to do that. God, soften my heart again for, for others and for you. Then I'm going to ask you to stand. And, and lastly, and so importantly, if you don't know Jesus as your personal saviour, as your friend this morning, then you can. You can know him this morning. So... I'm going to ask you to stand too. So if any of those three categories apply to you now, I'll just ask you to stand up. I might ask Sue to come and pray over us again, actually, because of her bringing that. So just stand up now. If you know that you're going through difficulty and you just need to know God's love for you afresh, that word that Jill brought was so powerful of God's love. Or if you just want to enlarge your heart again afresh, or if you don't know Jesus... We're going to pray for you. If, you, don't, if, you want, if you've accepted Jesus, then just come and grab somebody, okay? As well, it's so important. So Sue, would you just pray for us? Father, I thank you that you know each person here, Lord. Thank you that you know each heart, Lord. Thank you for these dear people who are standing, who are serious about changing their lives, Lord, before you. And Lord, Father, thank you for their courage and standing and acknowledging that you're doing a work in their lives. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that each one who is standing before you, that you would meet with them, Lord, and help them to adjust uh, what it is in their life that they need to put right. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would anoint them afresh with a knowledge of your love for them, Lord. We pray that people would know that they are valuable to you, Jesus, and that they are totally loved by you, Lord. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for those who are, uh, are caught up in anxiety, Lord, that they would learn to give everything to you, Jesus. So we ask your richest blessing on them, in Jesus' name. Amen.